Hi, everyone, and welcome into this week's episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. Well, the Pacers had conversations over the last few weeks, but did not choose to make a move at the NBA trade deadline. On this week's episode, I'll give you my thoughts on the trade deadline, the Pacers passing on moves, and how it was overall a quiet trade season. Also hear from Pacers Vice President of Basketball Operations, Peter Dinwiddie, plus Bobby Marks, a longtime assistant GM with the Nets. He's currently the front office guru for the vertical at Yahoo Sports. This all aired Friday, February 19th, as I filled in for Kent Sterling on his show, which is weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS Sports 1430 in Indianapolis. Send me your comments or questions on Twitter at Scott Agnes. And don't forget to subscribe to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. And please fill out a review on iTunes. Let's get to it. And I'll begin with the trade deadline. And the Pacers did, well, what they typically do. And that's nothing. They're a very quiet bunch. So if you're wondering why you're following on Twitter, you're you're wondering, man, what, what are the Pacers interested in? Who are they making calls on? They're a tight bunch. They don't like leaks, hate leaks, despise leaks. Some teams you can get tons of information from. The Pacers are not one of them. Not one of them whatsoever. And they're, they're also a team that's not going to overreact. On the season, they're in the playoffs if they started today. With 29 games to go, of course. But they're 28 and 25. I mean, realistically, if you think about early in the season, especially I think the turn of the uh, new year, 2016, Remember that week where it was about they lost about five games that you were like they have no business losing whatsoever. You think to Chicago, they lost again to them in the same type of scenario where it went down to the wire. They call a foul at one end. Paul George does not get the foul. Then you have the lights go out down in Miami. That game should have never gone into overtime. I believe it was double overtime, if my memory serves me correctly. They lost that one. And then it just continued on and on. Realistically, I mean, they should probably be spotted up in that third position ahead of Boston. It's obviously Cleveland, Toronto. And then how about the job Brad Stevens is doing in Boston? Who thought the Celtics would be third in the Eastern Conference just in a few years in with Brad Stevens directing that ship? And he doesn't have a ton of talent on that team. Isaiah Thomas, first-time All-Star. Jared Solinger. Kelly Olenek, who got a haircut today. There's the big news out of Boston. Finally got a haircut, trimmed a few inches off those locks. I'm one of those, like Kent, get serious with your hair, cut it. Although I will say, I think Kent said Kobe Fleener admitted late in the season that he was uh, donating his hair to Locks for Love, and so that's a that's a good excuse. Pat McAfee did that a couple of years ago. I can't fault him for that because when you, you do something like that, that's a selfless thing. Back to the trade deadline, though, and there, there really wasn't much going on. I think in total, a couple dozen players were moved. And no, it wasn't any of those players that you were expecting. It wasn't Dwight Howard. Pau Gasol wasn't shipped. Jeff Teague, the Indy native, wasn't moved in Atlanta. In fact, Atlanta didn't really send anything away. They... Other than Shelvin Mack, they sent him to Utah, but of the real core players, you know, Al Horford, Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver, guys that we really thought there would be a real chance of them sending away if, if they thought, you know, we're in fourth spot in the East. We really don't have enough to top Cleveland and maybe a few other teams to even make a run at the Eastern Conference. Is it time to break it up? I kind of like what they did, though. Not getting away from that core. See what this season plays out. It's the exact same thing the Pacers wanted to do last season. Give that core one more run at it. Because those types of groups, those type of teams do not come around very often. And the Pacers obviously didn't get that opportunity because of the 
Paul George injury back on August 1 of last season that kept him out for all but six games. But why not keep that Hawks team together? And this summer for every single team, and I think that's the big reason that no one made any inspiring or headline-worthy news, if you will, was because of the fact that this summer we're expecting to be crazy. The salary cap skyrockets up you know, almost $20 million. I've heard estimates reported Zach Lowe does a terrific job, formerly of Grantland, still with ESPN, estimated that he's hearing about $92 million for the salary cap right now this season. It's roughly about 67. That's a huge increase. And that's, that's the reason you've heard rumors. Woj reporting that maybe the Warriors will look into signing Kevin Durant. But I think Kevin Durant ultimately, he'll take, he'll sign one more year in OKC and then perhaps look somewhere else after he gets his money. That's the best situation for him, him once the new money is a year within the process. But with the straight deadline, no real moves. David Lee, he wasn't moved from uh, Boston. They haven't bought him out, and that might happen. We'll, we'll see. Blake Griffin wasn't moved, and I think that's the right move, too. Doc Rivers, I don't think this team is good enough in that Western Conference. When you have the top three teams, of course, Golden State, San Antonio, and then Oklahoma City. I think those are the three teams. I think one of those three teams, but more realistically, Golden State or San Antonio, will be your 2016 NBA champion. Those two are just on an entirely different level. How about San Antonio? They're sitting at 45 and 19. Well, even, let's take it one step further. Oklahoma City. You tell them at the All-Star break, hey, you're, you're 40 and 14. You take it? Absolutely. Yeah, we're on top of the West. You kidding me? No. You're in third. Don't forget about Golden State, who's lost four games the entire season. They haven't lost at home since last year. I mean, it's been over a year since they've lost at home, Golden State. And then San Antonio doing what they do. Tim Duncan sat out a dozen games here in the past month for rest purposes, maybe a minor injury, but they know what they're doing. And more and more within the NBA, it's about managing minutes, managing your guys, especially when it, as it's become a year-round business. It is a business. That's ultimately what it is, obviously. And there's big money coming at it. Guys are playing in the Olympics again. There will be a Olympics group this bunch in Rio. Paul George unsure if he wants to take part in this year, telling Mark Spears, who we had on the show, that he, he's having second thoughts about it just because of his fatigue. And I thought it was a smart answer that he wasn't committing to it right now, but he also wasn't backing away because it's not a decision you can make right now. you got to see where your health is in June, see how you're feeling, see how you're if you're dealing with a nagging ankle injury, for instance. You don't want to deal with that the entire next season because those things can linger so often. And you don't want that to happen. Lance Stevenson, born ready. He's on the go. Born ready, moving away. If you don't follow him on Snapchat and you like Lance Stevenson, help yourself right away and follow him on Snapchat. I think it's born underscore ready 22. Most of them are him just singing in the car and those you just skip right away. But the good ones, man, it's him talking, him joking around. It's funny. It's the character that some of us appreciated here in Indianapolis. I liked Lance. The biggest thing with Lance Stevenson is that, number one, he needs a good fit. He had that here in Indy, and he had an incredible support system. In Charlotte, neither one of those were in place. In L.A., he was an afterthought. He was a starter. Then he was a bench guy. Then he was a guy getting DNPs. Then he was back in the rotation. That's difficult, number one, for a player, but 
you got to find a right fit. And it's, so, it's said so many times by so many people, but the grass is always greener somewhere else. Recognize your situation. He bet on himself. And I don't want to say zero chance, but there's a slim chance, I got to think, that Memphis will pick up his team option this summer for the another $9 million. For the life of me, I still cannot understand why he agreed in Charlotte and Michael Jordan for a three-year deal with the last year being a team option. That's crazy. He had leverage, a little bit of leverage, where surely he could have gotten the player option. Anyway, he's going to have to do what Rodney Stuckey did and worked out well for Rodney last year with the Pacers. And that's go somewhere on the cheap, go somewhere for a veteran minimum, we're talking, I don't know what it'll be with the upcoming money increase, but, you know, go somewhere for the veteran million, one and a half, two million dollars for a year. Number one, forget the money and go somewhere where you can get back into the rotation, where you can become a terrific player again. And man, Lance, he was a guy that was a fringe all-star two years ago, about this time, fringe all-star. And then things tumbled down. Other people got in his head. Other people helped make the decision and pointed him somewhere else. Michael Jordan put him in a hotel room. There's no turning back once Michael Jordan talks with Lance Stevenson in a hotel room. Anyway, he goes to Memphis. Jeff Green is reunited with Doc Rivers, formerly in Boston. They are reunited with the Clippers out in L.A. I still don't think that's a uh, top-two team in the Western Conference, obviously, or a team that's going to come out of the West. If you bet me the other 28 teams... Or Golden State or San Antonio, what are you taking? That's a no-brainer. I'm taking the top two in the Western Conference. That's an easy decision. The shots fall for Golden State. They're a team-first squad, which is so enjoyable to watch. It's one of those teams that deserves to be on national TV for every single game. Can we get the Knicks? Can we get the Lakers off TV? I've had enough with this Kobe Love Fest. And I've gotten some hate for it. I was on a plane the second half of the All-Star game. We landed after it. I saw where PG dropped 41, and someone I was with joked, why are you hating on Kobe? Because I tweeted out, I hope that the commentators get away from the love fest just long enough to give Paul his due of making it back to an All-Star game the year back from that gruesome injury. That was disgusting. I mean, the initial thoughts was, man, is he going to be all right? Is he going to be in a wheelchair? People had those thoughts. Those were coming at me. I'll never forget where I was. I was in D.C., and I just had turned on that game on ESPN3 to watch that scrimmage with USA Basketball. That Kobe Love, I've had enough with it. I really have. And I like what Tamika Catching says. She doesn't want fanfare this summer. Donate money to her foundation, catch the stars, and that's it. She doesn't need special shoes. She doesn't need special photos. Now, a lot of them do it anyway, and I'll give the Pacers credit. I thought they handled it as they should. Kobe's people requested that nothing be done, and so they did nothing. Still, so many other teams have done stuff, but it has just been exhausting, at least for me. I don't know about you. Being joined with one of the brains of the Pacers organization, Peter Denwitty, the vice president of basketball operations. This guy's absolutely brilliant. He's got a law degree. He's a guy that started with the franchise in ticket sales. He wanted to work in team sports so bad, he took a job in ticket sales and dominated so then Donnie Walsh, a couple years into that, found out. goes, you kidding me? I got a lawyer and a guy with his degree in ticket sales and he's killing it? Send him my way. So I think it was once a week or something like that. Peter would go into Donnie's office for a meeting. Donnie would give him projects to work on. 
and little tests to just kind of see how good is he at this job. Does he have a future here? And he absolutely did. And that's why I call it a four-headed monster with the Pacers organization. Larry Bird, Kevin Pritchard, Donnie Walsh, and Peter Dinwiddie. Pleased to be joined by Peter Dinwiddie, the Vice President of Basketball Operations. Probably been a busy couple of days, maybe a busy last week, Peter, for you. How are you? Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing well. What's this week been like for you? I'm sure you're, I can hear you yawn a little bit, tired. How has this week been for you and, and those within the Pacers front office? It's always a long week. Um, it always seems to pick up starting around Tuesday of this week and then intensifies on Wednesday and Thursday. But a lot of the discussions are had, you know, starting back in September, er, December, then you carry on December, January, February, and then, as I said, this week the conversations pick up a little, and a lot of the um, conversations and negotiations intensify. From your standpoint, how busy, quote-unquote, was this trade deadline around the league? Because it ultimately ended up not being that busy. A couple dozen players traded. None of the big names that were tossed out there in the media. How would you define this trade deadline season? Well, you know, it's hard to really define a trade deadline for the league um, just because there's so many different variables that come into play. But as you said, the trade deadline, it wasn't the number of big names and the number of deals. Which exactly, yeah. Um, you know, isn't as in the past. And I think there's so many variables, like I said, that cause that. And a lot of it has to do with the salary cap and the projected increases set to occur both um, this off season, the following off season. Another estimating the cap to jump an estimated twenty million dollars. So, a lot of teams just aren't certain how to navigate free agency and what exactly um, different prices are going to come in, different ex- labor costs are going to be. So, with all the uncertainty, you know, I think a lot of teams have decided to stand pat and try and see, you know, maybe some of the um, issues or some of the holes they're trying to fill can maybe be filled in free agency. Talking with Peter Denwitty, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Pacers. One of the things I saw that I think is important and even more important nowadays is draft picks. I believe the Pacers are the only team in the league with all of their draft picks over the next few years. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not 100% positive um, if we're the only team that has all our draft picks, but draft picks are definitely important. If you don't mind saying, were you guys close at all to making any deal yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to comment on any of the trade rumors, but... You know, I will say we had several conversations with, you know, the 29 teams in the league. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, after reviewing everything, we felt it made the most sense as a stand pat. You can't talk about individuals uh, on other teams, I know. But how important, especially over these years, has fit for a specific team with a player become important and also having a support system around a player? Yeah, I mean... You know, I think every team, when they look at different players and looking to do a big deal and make a move, they're always looking to see if a player fits not only within the system but within the culture as well. Um, You know, you don't want to bring in a player, especially midway. I know we say the trade deadline's midway through, but it's a little farther along the midway point of the season. But you don't want to bring in someone that's going to be disruptive to the chemistry, which is built up starting, you know, September in October when the guys start playing together. So, you know, I think that's extremely important when you're looking to bring different players in to, you know, a team. 
Going back a couple years, you speak to that. How about Lavoy Allen? That was the last trade deadline move you got, and everybody basically thought, oh, he was just a throw-in. Let's see what Evan Turner can do. But he's really turned out to be a solid player, hence you guys re-signing him this past summer. Yeah, Lavoy's been great. I mean, when we did the deal with Evan, Larry, Lavoy Allen, that was a player that Larry wanted Philadelphia to include in the deal. Larry had watched Lavoie and knew what Lavoie was capable of. So that was a player that um, Larry thought if we were able to acquire him, he could make a significant impact on the team. And hopefully he'd be able to play you know, beyond the one year we had him, or the one year he had remained on his deal when we acquired him from Philly. And you know, hopefully we'd be able to bring him back and he'd be able to contribute, which he has. Last thing I want to hit on in terms of the trade deadline, because I'm sure a lot of fans are wondering, with this four-headed front office, who who facilitates it? It's Kevin Pritchard, correct? He's the guy manning the phones for the majority of the time, and then you guys are also complimenting it? Yeah, Larry's the main decision maker. I mean, nothing happens in this organization without Larry. Larry's the architect behind the team. Larry approves every decision. Um, so... Kevin does. Kevin works the phone, and Kevin talks to various teams, but Kevin supplies Larry with all the information, and then Larry's the one who's um, you know, talking to the owner and talking to Herb and saying, is this a move that you know we feel we want to make? And Larry will give his opinion, and then um, the decision will come. Talking with Peter Denwitty, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Pacers, a brilliant guy. Going to be a GM sooner than later, I'll tell you that. What have you made of Paul George and what he's done this season as a whole? He obviously had an outstanding November, Peter, but then fatigue set in a little bit, but still impressive then again in the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, Paul, he's as you said, he had an unbelievable November. Um, and then fatigue did somewhat set in, and I know Paul's spoken about that publicly and let um, you know his feelings be made of uh, some of the fatigue he's experienced during the course of the season. But anytime you miss an entire year, it's going to take a while to come back. So you know Paul's probably right right around where we expected him to be. I know Larry during when he was playing, he missed an entire season, so he kind of talked to Paul and gave Paul some preparation of what this season was going to be like, what to expect. Oh, as far as the demands put on your body, the re- the recovery that was going to need to occur to make sure you're able to play at a high level on a consistent basis. And I think Paul has. I mean, he's regressed a little from the hot November he had. But overall, you know, I, I think he's averaging right around 23.5 points a game. And I think in order for him to continue to do what he's done, he's going to need to continue to take care of his body. But, you know, I think up to this point he's done an unbelievable job. One of the big challenges here is is Rodney Stuckey, the tough guy, the, one of the, maybe the glue guy, perhaps on the team. I, I would say he's been out. He'll miss his twenty first game tonight against Oklahoma City. What do you think the team misses when he he's not out on the floor? You know, I, I think a lot of it. Rodney's is such a solid veteran, as you said, a glue guy. His leadership ability, he's um great in the locker room, great with the guys on the court. He's unbelievable. He's great in transition. He's great attacking the basket. He can get to the free throw line. So, you know, obviously there's the on-court attributes that the team misses, but off the court as well, his voice, his presence, his demeanor, um, you know, is great. Then the team misses some of that, and, you know, we're looking forward to having Rodney get back on the court. The Indiana Pacers broke ground on the St. Vincent Center a couple weeks ago, Peter. Talk about what, what you as a management, how that can impact you guys and not only your current players, 
but in free agency where you can use that as a big selling point and how much it was needed with because of how much goes on at the Fieldhouse, whether it's the fever or uh, speakers brought in and such. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, the Fieldhouse is definitely a busy place, which is phenomenal. I mean, the more events we can have in the Fieldhouse, the better. I know this weekend we have high school wrestling occurring here, which is great for the city, great for the state, great for the Fieldhouse. So the more events we can have in the Fieldhouse, it's great. But at the same time, we like to have a, a spot for the players to be able to practice and get shots up when they want. So having the training center is going to be, you know, it's unbelievable not only in free agency, but for our own players as well. And throughout the league, you're competing with the other 29 franchises. And there's some franchises which are currently on to their second training or practice center. So we felt that in order for us to continue to compete in free agency, that having the training center was going to give us a little bit more of an advantage in uh, recruiting and landing some of the top-notch free agents who we try and sign during free agency. Have you ever attended All-Star Weekend? I have. I attended in Houston and then also in Orlando. Obviously, Rick Fusen and other representatives here in Indy checked out All-Star Week. And I know in the past, talking with Rick dozens of times, one of the big things he always touches on is why Indy hasn't sought out one is because you can't really take care of your fans. You can't take care of your season ticket holders. It seems they've kind of moved past that. If Indy ultimately does choose to look into an all-star game, how cool is that, number one, for Indianapolis, your hometown, and then how much it puts them on the spotlight nationally? Yeah, I mean, if uh, Indianapolis is fortunate enough to receive an all-star game, I definitely think it's great for the city, great for the fans. Um, It's another major event which is going to be hosted and it helps showcase the city of Indianapolis. Peter, I appreciate you taking the time shared a little bit about your story before you came on, and appreciate your friendship as well. Scott, not a problem. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Peter Denwitty, the Pacers Vice President of Basketball Operations. I'm telling you, this guy's going to be a GM, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years, once a franchise gets smart and hires him away. Hopefully he stays here. Brilliant guy about to join us. I've really enjoyed following his work over the last year or so. It's Bobby Marks, now with the Vertical and Woj uh, over on Yahoo Sports. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing really well. Really enjoyed your guys' show. You guys did a live stream right after the deadline yesterday. Were you surprised at how few deals were made and more so at the, the, the names that were not involved in the deals yesterday? Well, I think you saw a lot of the deals yesterday were based on, um, you know, teams trying to save money for luxury tax and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, financial-driven, um, you know, deals, <clears throat> besides the deal that, you know, Cleveland had done with uh, with Orlando. But, you know, the, the, the big names that we had, we had heard about, you know, the Al Horfords, the, the Dwight Howards of the world, you know, it, it proved that teams were not willing to take on a, you know, a rental for a lot rest of the season, you know, and, and give up a lot of, you know, assets and, and, and picks to do so. So I, I understood that the team's thinking, um, you know, in, in regards to that, um, you know, I'm a big Al Horford guy, so I would have maybe, you know, maybe risked a little more than, than, you know, maybe some other teams would have. I, I would, I would not have done that with, with, with Dwight Howard just because, you have to get. You have to have a comfort level if that's the kind of guy you want. You, you want to sign in uh, in July and everything. Has it amazed you how likeness has how his stock has just dropped dramatically? I used to be a ball boy like Mannix. I was in the locker rooms, <laughs> and, and Dwight Howard was. Him and Shaq were my two favorite to work with. He'd make fun of himself. He'd make fun of me, and he'd make fun of his teammates. And it was just a fun guy to be around. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. 
Well, you know what's happening is that the stigma from Orlando, how that ended there, and, and how it ended with, with the Lakers, has really carried him over to uh, over to Houston. And you know, it's you know, it's hard for him to shake that. You know, and, and people see him, you know, you know, you know, a little goofy and laughing and, and having a good time and everything. And um, that's the perception right now. And will he get a max offer this, this summer? I'm not sure. He's got an opt out. Um, you know, about a $23 million contract that he has to, um, you know, opt out in June. And I just don't know if he'll get that on, on the open market. You know, there's a lot of teams that will have room. So if it is, maybe it's a short, shorter-term deal. Um, but he's still a good center. I mean, he is not the, you know, that franchise-type center that we uh, we saw in Orlando, but he, he's, he's, still, he's still pretty good. Can you take us through, fans? I'm sure are curious. What what has this past week been like for uh, front offices? What when did the deals start heating up? I believe about Tuesday, probably. And how many conversations? I mean, probably about ninety five percent of them never even got through. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a real fluid week as far as you know uh, how everything goes. You know, the, the process starts, you know, you know, in the, the course of the year, it kind of picks up over the weekend with, with All-Star Weekend. And then by Monday, you're, you're starting to line up your, your options and, and, you know, possible scenarios. By, by Tuesday, you start to see a couple deals trickling. We saw that with, with the Detroit-Orlando uh, deal. We saw that with Charlotte and Memphis. And then, then there's kind of a little of a low. And what happens is a lot of teams are reluctant to make a trade until, until Thursday. Um, and because so... You know they're waiting for the, you know the best offer to come through or the best deal out there. They don't want to jump the gun on Wednesday to to, to do so, and the then it's kind of a mad rush. And you saw a flurry between like you know eleven and one, and then you saw a bunch come in at the um, you know at the last hour. It's hard to do a deal if you're not you know if it's not one of your options. If it, all of a sudden it comes in like past two o'clock and you've got about an hour left to, to try to figure out if it makes sense and the cap implications and, you know, long-term, short-term and everything. So it's it's a fluid week. Um, you know, it builds up, you know, as you get to closer to, uh, you know, 3 p.m. time on, on Thursday. I thought it was interesting just before that. What was it? Not even 24 hours before, maybe the, the morning of. Brooklyn finally makes their hire. Sean Marks, any relation, by the way? I haven't seen that. It isn't, but it, but I did get a lot of gratification yesterday when, um, <laughs> when uh, I think there was a couple uh, media outlets that did say it was it was me who was negotiating with yeah, the Nets and, and not and not Sean Marks. But there is a no. He is uh, he's from New Zealand. I believe I am from Northern New Jersey. So there is no relation there. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific, but boy, does that make it tough on him. He's mo- just moving over from the Spurs, and I think that's probably why you ultimately saw them not make any moves. Yeah, it's hard when you don't have anybody, um, you know, in place, and um, you know they, you know, they have a, they have a good group there that I'm sure was taking a bunch of phone calls and, and trying to figure out something that did 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 make sense and everything. But it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to do a deal when you, you know, he's. When you when you get the job about four hours before the trade deadline, you know you don't have a coach yet, so you got to figure out you know if the pieces that are there now fits you know whoever you hire, you know their their style and everything. Talking with Bobby Marks of the Vertical on Yahoo Sports, what is the Pacers' reputation come trade deadline? They're a team that really typically sits still. Yeah, conservative. 
you know that's and that's fine. You know, and there's nothing uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And they they do their due due, um, due diligence, just like you know all the other you know other teams in the league and everything like that. But no, they they are conservative. You know, they're not known to you know to move picks. Um, you know, like what we saw with uh, with Detroit and Washington or early in the week and everything or yesterday. And um, no, they've got a good core. You know, I don't know if they're at that you know that level of you know where. Um, you know, Cleveland is, or I guess you could put Toronto in that that conversation. But they're you know they're right in that that mix there. Um, you know, from uh, from an asset standpoint, you know it's hard to move. You know, you weren't going to move Paul or you know Miles Turner. You know, you just signed uh, Monte in, in the in the off season. Um, so it's it's hard to kind of identify like who who that asset would be, especially if you're not going to move a you know a current or uh, you know a future pick. Bobby, you've been on both sides previously in a front office, now media with Woj and everything on that team. Why do we see so many leaks with certain teams and then teams, for instance, like the Pacers, who I know are very type lip. We, we very rarely hear anything about what they're even thinking. Well, it's, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I saw it on the team side and then when on, on the media side, I saw... You know, um, you know how information gets out and everything, and it is an interesting process. Sometimes it's kind, of, you know, to kind of um, you know push the needle a little bit if there's a deal in, in, in a holding pattern, if um, you know to kind of you know get the, get it to that next level and everything. But it, it is amazing and how um, you know information is out there, and, and a lot of the time the information isn't even true. And which is which is equally amazing. Where you, know, you <laughs> see something that breaks, or if a team is close to doing something that um, that's that's not even that's not even in play. Yeah, everybody's got an agenda, don't they? They sure do. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing. One thing I also wanted to hit on, I'm a big proponent. I would love to see free agency moved before the draft, before that June draft deadline. Are, are you of the same feeling? I am because you know it's they've kind of reversed it. And if you could do the draft, you know, you know, post um, free agency, it, I think it would be, it would, it would probably make it. Um, I mean, it's exciting now. It would make it more exciting. You'd have, you'd have an idea of kind of where your team is, uh, you know, set up. You know, a lot of teams do do, do draft based on um, you know best available. But if you're you know picking in the later rounds or in the teams, you know, you can you know more fill out a need than than, than that best available player. Last thing for you, Bobby, I'm curious, what's your biggest observation from moving from a front office to the media? Any misconceptions or anything out there? What's your, been the biggest thing you've understood more now being part of us? Well, I, you know, I understand how, um, I guess, teams are more are sensitive, <laughs> you know, when sure. you are. You know, if you're going to put some information out there, you, you know, you, you better be right about it. Um, you know, just for me, it kind of gives me a better perspective, you know, being on the media side than on the team side and how the, the league works in general. And then, you know, when you work for a team, you kind of have blinders on and you really just focus on, you know, what's going on under under your own roof. But, you know, you know, being, you know, working on, you know, with the auto and the, and the vertical and everything, it really gives me a better, per, you know, perception on, you know, the other 30 or 29 teams and everything. So it's, it's been great. It's been, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, challenging. You know, I'm, I'm you know, going from the front office to, uh, I guess, a writer and everything, but it's been a lot of fun. The thing you do very well is explain the, the back end of deals. All the fans want to know, hey, let's make this happen. Well, it's not that easy. You got to realize the contracts don't work. Or the reason they didn't do that is because of an upcoming draft pick or the money-wise. And with so much cap space coming soon, it's important for fans and all of us to understand the situations that we have at hand with what the, the cap estimated perhaps to be $92 million we're seeing? 
Yeah, and, and what I want to do is I want to make it easy, and I want to kind of, um, you know, um, break it down, but let people understand how it works. And I don't want to get too technical. I mean, I could if I want to, but I, I don't want to go that direction. But if you know, as we as we saw yesterday, and I, I wrote up you know last night all the deals and we put them in one, and just just really lay out contracts and cap space and tax implications and how it really affects the, the roster going going forward. I, you know, I never really want to give a team a grade because you don't know. You I know, hate so grades too. Plays out and everything, and you know, like we saw. Um, you know, earlier in the week, the you know the, the Detroit Orlando deal with um, you know Tobias Harris going, and basically that was a prelude to moving Channing Fry because they were able to get you know Ilyaso who was younger and cheaper, and basically they kind of flip flop it there and everything. So I'm I'm just not big into giving teams grades. I like to kind of just give an analysis, and then let's just see how the deal plays out. No, I love it. Bobby Marks, you can follow him on Twitter at Bobby Marks forty two. See his work on the vertical. Appreciate Bobby. Sounds good. Appreciate thank you. Well, that's this week's episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers Podcast. My shout out this week to Paul George for having a terrific all star game and nearly setting the record for points. Plus, shout-outs to Tamika Ketchings and Natalie Achanwa for representing the Fever in the state of Indiana at All-Star Weekend. Next week, I'll be sitting down with former Pacers center Scott Pollard, who is on this season of CBS's Survivor. Seriously. Have a great weekend, everyone.